Hello, and welcome to Quirk and Circumstance, a podcast about living a life outside the box, even if you spend the majority of your time living within the boundaries of a cubicle or a role like a parent or professional or something else. I'm your host, Kat, and like many of you, I have watched the Netflix show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, a show in which Marie Kondo helps a whole bunch of people with a whole lot of stuff to get organized. Now, I enjoyed the show, but that's not what this episode is about, so stick with me. What I realized as I watched the show is that years after I read her book, years, maybe two, three, four years, something like that, I am still applying her organizational techniques to my life. Now, how many books have I read or have you read that have made that kind of an impact? For me, the answer is not many. I would say probably a handful have made an impact that affected my behavior in such a profound way or the way that I think about the world or my stuff or things around me in in such a way. So obviously, the way that Marie Kondo suggests organizing your stuff really resonated with me. I have less stuff now, and it's stuff that I really love or that I treasure and value. Even if it's a boring thing, like say a measuring cup or a nude colored bra, I'll treat it lovingly, and it gets plenty of space in the drawer where it is stored. All of my things now have a place, um, and if a drawer or a shelf starts to feel crowded, I reevaluate the contents of the shelf or the drawer to see if I still really love all the items there or if I can let something go in order to bring more order to my world. So anywho, the book, in a really simple way, brought simple order to my world, and it changed how I thought about my life and my stuff. So I began to think of um, other books, if other books had had that kind of a lasting impact on me, and I definitely have a handful But I was also really curious about my friends and family and people around me and the books that impacted them. And it's been a really fun question to ask some of the people that I know. So what I've done is collected some responses from a handful of people about books that made a difference in their lives. Now, I'll be posting a list of my own top five books slash articles that changed my world. I'll post that on the Quirk and Circumstance Instagram account in a post about this episode. So look out for that list there and chime in with your own thoughts or your own contributions to the list. Anywho, enjoy these short interviews with some treasured souls that I know. Well, I am on the phone right now with friend of the podcast. Keila Fowler. And Keila, thank you again for taking some time out of your day to chat with me. It should be a quick chat today. Yes, thank you. This is super exciting because I took some time to really think about the book, and I actually have two. So it was it was an interesting question that was posed by you. I had to really think through, like, huh, what has had an impact? Yeah, it it is interesting, right? It's like books can't, they, they really can have a lasting impact on us. So I'm thrilled to hear both of your options. Okay. What so, did you come up with? The first book is Hashtag Girl Boss by Sophia Amoruso. Yes. And a friend got it for me two years ago when I was still talking about starting a business and had no idea how to start a business or when I was going to start a business or any such detail. And mm-hmm. so she got it for me for Christmas and she's like, I saw this book and it was totally you, and I read the book, and I was, like, glued. The moment I started reading, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to know every word that she's written. I need to know all of the things. Because unlike some other, like, business and entrepreneur books, what Sophia did is she wrote 
your book from a standpoint of you don't have to do what I did, and my story does not have to be your story. So, like, don't look to me as some kind of role model or icon. Like, be your own role model. Be your own icon. And I was like, wow. It was kind of the first time that I experienced somebody who I was like, no, I'm looking to you for some guidance here. Um who kind of, like, empowered me as the reader to say, like, no, look to yourself. What do you want to do? And be scrappy and make it happen. And I think what I appreciated also was that she didn't have, like, thousands of dollars sitting in the bank to just, like, okay, well, I'm going to throw some money at this and get it started. She hustled. And not hustled, I would say, because I'm reading a lot of different things, um, but there's all this, like, oh, like, hustle over, like, taking it in stride and not being overwhelmed. But I think hustle in a positive way of she took each problem in stride. And as the problem arose, she found a solution, and then she just moved on to the next step, as opposed to looking for the long-range plan, which I am totally a person who likes a plan and can follow a plan once I have it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was that was a really great book. It, it made me want to get started in a way that I didn't feel as confident about before. Yeah, well and and look at you now. Now you have a website and an online business, 85beauty.com. Yes, which is and shocking to me. I mean, it's awesome. Would you say that that book helped you launch 85 Beauty? Yes, it definitely did. In the sense of, I found myself, like I said, like just dealing with the current problem or the current task in a way that I was not able to do before because I would get so, um, like, just overwhelmed and over my head. But what's going to happen next? And well, if I don't know what's going to happen in the next six steps, I can't possibly move forward. And instead, I was like, dude. Suck it up and do it. Just make it happen. Yeah. So it was. It definitely made an impact on me getting my butt in gear and actually taking steps to make stuff happen. No, it's so true. She had a lot in there that was about like almost, almost like don't have time for any drama. And of course, like no time for drama from like other people or other people's businesses even or other people's stuff. Like don't worry about other people's stuff, but it was also kind of like, and don't worry about your own drama, like the drama in your mind. Maybe that's questioning you or that's making you believe you're not enough or that's making you whatever, like any kind of drama. Just go ahead and let it go and move forward. Yeah. So good. Um, What's your second book? My second book, I've actually not finished it. And it's a book that I've been reading on and off for maybe about three or four years. That's even possible. Um, but you must the, love it if you're not giving up on it. Yeah. And one of the hardest things for me as an adult is that I was a voracious reader as a kid. I would read four to five books at a time. I would just consume them. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I have a really hard time just focusing on one book and not letting all the other ways to be entertained take up my time. So it requires a lot more discipline for me to sit and just read one book. And I don't have the same amount of stamina for reading as I used to, which really makes me sad. But this book in particular is by Diane von Furstenberg. 
is the woman I want it to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you read that? I have not read it, but I love her. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so great. And once again, what I appreciated about her book was that, again, she's really telling you, like, hey, do what you want to do. Don't get stuck in, like, my path or what I did. But by hearing about the journey that she took to start her company, it found I found myself thinking, wow, who do I want to be? In the sense that it kind of put me back in my own, like, little girl's shoes of, huh, when I thought about what I would look like as an adult, what did that picture look like? And what am I doing to make that happen? Or am I just hoping it happens to me? And I found that I was really just kind of hoping things would happen to me and not taking as much ownership over it myself as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, it really changed my mindset and it required me to think about who do I want to be and am I, am I or am I not doing that? I think the last time that we, um, the last time I was on your podcast, I was talking about like, being fancy in life and how I love to be fancy. And I'm just embracing it. I'm like, if I want to wear a really pretty dress and a ton of jewelry, I'm just going to do that. And it doesn't have to be a special occasion. It's just special because I said it was. Totally. Um, yeah. And so that is much more like, yes, that's who I always wanted to be. I always wanted to be the person who, like, took the time to do her makeup and got all dolls up and felt really pretty that day, no matter, like, what the occasion was. And don't get me wrong, I love sweatpants and it <laughs> to be super cozy. And I live in pajamas at my house, right? I don't know yeah. who are who are those people who are, like, fully dressed at home. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I find myself thinking a lot more about, okay, who do I want? Well, who is the woman I want to be? And am I taking the steps and doing the things to be her? Some days I am and some days I'm not, but I'm... Definitely doing it more often than not. Well, I think that is so awesome. And it does say a lot for the book and for how Diane von Furstenberg has connected with you and that message has connected with you that even over all this time, it sounds like you read it maybe like in little spurts and then you put it down for a while, but you still keep it. Like it sounds like a very beloved book. Yeah, it, it is. And there are some connections, um, I'm just going to warn you, I'm going through a dead zone, so it might get a little, a little bitchy. Um, there are some connections because she has a, she has a house in Connecticut, and I grew up in Connecticut. So anytime I hear any kind of Connecticut connection, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like the same person, which is not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and she, she named her house like Cloud Walk or something like that. And I was like, you know what? Yes, like, why not? Why not have a name for your home? Like, it's a very, like, British cottage kind of thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's freaking awesome. And so, again, it was one of those, there were just so many elements in the stories that she tells about how she decides to go through life. She talks about, like, traveling light, not packing a lot of stuff, but always bringing your camera. Mm-hmm. And I am not somebody who packs light at all. I'm working on that. But when I went on vacation with my family this summer, we went to a lake house, and I brought my, like, good 30 camera. And I took over 700 pictures that week. I didn't even realize I was taking that many. And now those are some of the best 
memories and we have we have like images of all of that special time spent together. So it's like, yeah, I need to take more pictures and not so that I can post it on Instagram, but just so that I have captured those memories because I want to be able to look back and go, wow, look at the life that I had and look at the the great times I had with my family and the people that were special and the connections that were made. And so there, there are so many nuggets of wisdom in that book and I'm going to finish it eventually. Um, yeah, well, it sounds like she's kind of, she's almost like a friend at this point, you know? She's like somebody that's kind of journeying with you in life. Yes, absolutely. I don't know why she hasn't called yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm waiting. Hello. It's time to hang out. I'm say, It's been such a pleasure asking people this question because, you know, on the one hand, it helps me get to know people in a different way than I knew them before because I get to hear about what's making an impact on them. But I also get to hear about books that I haven't read and some of the gems um, in all these books. And, you know, with the limited time that we have in the world, we can't read all the books, but it's fun to get to hear yeah. those little special things in the different books um, of people that, that I know in my life. So thank you again, Keela, for sharing um, the insight and the wisdom of your, uh, your book reading choices. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you were talking about me. So, hi, Tara. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining me for my podcast. You're welcome. This is so exciting. So, I'm asking all kinds of different people in my life if there's one book that changed their lives, what would it be? And what did it, like, what was the effect of it on your life? Sure. Yeah. So, I would say that the one book was The Joy Luck Club. It was, it's, it's kind of the same story. Like, so the Joy Luck Club, for the, not to spoil it, but basically. <laughs> well, if you haven't read it by now. If you haven't read it by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Um, so the, so, you know, the, the, the main character is going back to China to connect with these sisters that she didn't even know she had because her mother came from China. I mean, it was, it's that whole story. It's like, wow, you know, like if, that's how probably like like all of us feel like we have this whole family in China that we don't even know about mm-hmm. that you know we could be related to all these different people in China we don't even know yeah. right because mm-hmm. of the circumstances that happened with my great grandmother so just to see and just to hear that we weren't the only family like that that were part of immigrants that maybe have this culture and this whole other um you know, side of family that we don't even know and and it's I mean it was pretty cool so yeah yeah. <laughs> No, I think that was a great answer. It sounds like it really gave you context for the generations that came before you and helped you to understand where they came from, but also connected you to something that was that feels bigger than yourself. Oh, totally. It's an amazing book. Um, the reason why I think it resonated with me was because, so I myself am Chinese. My grandmother, so I'm only a quarter Chinese, which comes from my, my maternal grandmother, um, but I always like to say that the Chinese is like super strong in me. <laughs> it pretty much takes over all the, I mean, you know, the whole, my, a lot of aspects of my life. And it's because it really came from my maternal grandmother and her, I mean, her story alone comes from her mother. So my great grandmother. Um, and 
when I found out that my great grandmother was actually sold as a slave from China when she was only like, I mean, she was less than five years old. I can't remember exactly, but um, so her family was she comes she came from a very poor. All she remembers and all she would talk about was she came from a very poor province in China, and she remembers. That as she was basically being dragged away to go on the ship, um, she had a sibling. I can't remember whether it's a brother or sister, but the sibling was, you know, calling out to her and saying like, "Don't leave, don't go." So unfortunately, she was sold. She got shipped to Hawaii, and she started working for a family in Hawaii as a maid and a servant. Um, but you know, to to see or. After she grew up, and you know, she would kind of talk about it. She didn't talk about it a lot. I, mean, I obviously I can only imagine, you know, what those times were like. But she grew up. She got married. She had a family. So she had nine children. My grandmother was the youngest of those nine children. Um, and you know, the going back to the Joy Luck Club, it that's exactly what those stories are. You know, following the four women and not only who they are and who their children became to be, but where they came from. And it's very eye-opening as, you know, the third generation or sorry, I'm the fourth, technically the fourth generation of this to see why not only my grandmother acted the way that she did, but also why she... Um, you know, how she grew up and everything that she did, but why she was such a big character and person in my life, because it was, you know, from her families and from her mother's struggles to down to her. And it really just became this eye opening. Like there's so many scenes or stories that happen in the, the book that I was like, oh my God, that's the way I feel about my mother or that's the way I feel about my grandmother. And it really just just gave me a perspective that was very rich in culture and very, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a really good story. And there's a lot of themes that go throughout the book. Uh-huh. That is, I mean, it's not just for Chinese or people who are Chinese ancestry, but people, you know, their relationship with their, their mothers and the generations before them. So... Sorry, that was a very long answer, but that's my favorite book. <laughs> well, thanks so much for sharing that story. I thought, you know, when we were just chatting about it, it was just such an interesting answer, and you definitely provoked some thoughts for me. So thanks for letting me put it on the podcast, too. No problem. Thanks for having me. Ray, thank you so much for joining me to have this a very important discussion about books. Yes, I love it. I'm actually... Uh glad you called about that because I'm about to re-enter book mode. I'm going to do like a book a week. A book a week is a very ambitious. Oh my gosh. I wish I could do a book a week. I feel like sometimes I'll just do a book in a year. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think you can do it. Like if I cut out just like instead of watching Netflix before I go to bed and then just reading before I go to bed, I yeah. think I can get it done. That's oh, and subway time. Oh yeah, subway time. So my book. Yeah. So if there is one book that had an impact on like the way that you see things in the world or that really changed you in some way or changed your perspective, what would it be? Um, I'm sure there have been quite a few. But when you asked that question, one immediately popped into my head. So I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. 
And let me look at the title so I can make sure I have the title exactly right. Healing the Shame That Binds You by a Ph.D. John Bradshaw, psychologist, psychiatrist, and all those things. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me about this book. Okay. Okay, so essentially the book goes into the many ways that shame affects our lives, how you, well, first of all, shame is just like a natural part of the human condition, but the ways in which uh, it describes the difference between being shameful and full of shame and being shameless and the ways in which the way we are raised in our family and in our society, how that can affect the way we act out in relationships, the way we act with ourselves, the way we act at a job. What do you feel like was different for you after you read the book? Oh, it blew my entire fucking mind. Simply because up until that point, um, I, you know, I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of psychology books and theory books and stuff like that. But I, I guess... The books that I had read were more about theories and um, behaviors or, you know, what to do to correct the behavior. Mm-hmm. With this, this went to feelings. And I think at that time in my life, I was starting to have actual feelings, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds strange. Be rough. No, no, it can yeah. be rough if you've been, like, actively not having feelings for a long time. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like going about my life, you know, just, you know, I think part of my life I was numb-ish, and then another part of my life maybe I was having feelings but didn't quite know the names for for it. It was kind of fuzzy, so it was a blur, right? So when I read that book, it was mind-blowing because it just described this quintessential feeling and then the actions that stem from that feeling. This feeling has been a cause of like some of my behavioral patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, that was just the very beginning. I didn't realize how true that was. Um, and then also, of course, once you learn a feeling, then of course that goes into learning other feelings, right? <laughs> and so right, right, right. that just... Right, so that just kind of opened it all up to where, you know, it was, it was the beginning of a an, an encyclopedia of of feeling information that that I can kind of tap into. Now, I, I'm curious about when you first got, you know, got the idea that this book existed you probably weren't thinking of yourself as like, I'm a person who has any shame in the first place. Like, I don't know if you would have, you know, I've known you for many years and I don't know if you would have walked around in the world going like, yeah, I have shame instead. You know, like, I don't. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, it wasn't like, I am so shameful. Let me get a book to de-shame me. Not at all. So, but it sounds like, it sounds like. And it was random. Oh, good. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even buy the fucking book. Like, it wasn't even like that. It was just, you know, people have, boxes you know extra books is like this lady yeah. um she's 
some kind of way I got pulled into this Reiki session and I wanted to like see what it was all about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I went to this lady's house. She was doing this Reiki session and then she had like some books, you know, that she was going to throw out or whatever. And I was like, oh, let me check out some of these. And I took about three books and I read all three of the books. I couldn't tell you what the other two were about, but that's, mm-hmm. this is the one that kind of stuck, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like for you, it identified a couple things. One, that shame is something human. We all have shame. Right. We may not identify it, but we all have it, and that it affects our behaviors in life. And when you identify it, when you, like, pinpoint it, then it can open up new worlds, especially if you weren't even, if you didn't even, ha- if you didn't even have it on your radar in the first place. Right. I mean, it was, uh, clearly it was there, but, you know, I didn't know what it was, and I could not name it. And, of course, it's like, I don't know, there's this James Baldwin quote, and I'm about to botch it the fuck up. But, but it's just, but it's just, I wasn't, essentially, is that once you can um, express something, or once you can can articulate a thing that's happening to you, you gain control over it. You know, so once you can say, like, yo, A, B, and C happened to me, or I'm feeling A, B, C, D, then you 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 gain control over what's happening. You know, you get you get you Yeah, it's basically getting a kind of control over the situation. You can kinda of maneuver your way. You're like, yo, this is what's happening. Okay, that's what's happening and so you can proceed in a certain way. Yeah, it's almost like that thing because it's unnamed and it's unrecognized. You don't you don't realize that it's pushing you around. Or like I keep thinking of as you're talking, I keep thinking of I had this session with a therapist, you know, it was years ago, but I remember just being like in all kinds of fear and it was around financial stuff. And I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to grow old alone and eat cat food before I die. <laughs> right? But like I I'm laughing because like, I remember that that I, I yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, well, this has been a constant and persistent fear my entire life, right? But, like, I didn't even have that much awareness of the vision of it. I just had this, like, this, like, fear of aloneness and fear of financial insecurity and fear that was really driving me to be fucking weird around money. To just be weird. Where, like, I'd go out to dinner with somebody and be like, I'm paying my 50% and that is all, you know? Or, like, well, I just ordered the soup. Or whatever it was, you know, and I would just be really odd around money and then really generous in other ways that didn't make a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until we pulled that out in the session and I've had to, like, look at it other times since to where I could grapple with it and then kind of speak some truth to it to say, like, guess what? You know, sure, all of those fears are absolutely possible. And yet there are a lot of you know, other things that are between you and your death. And <laughs> right. hopefully, you know, your life is going to unfold in a different way and you can take steps now to try to give yourself a different kind of future, right? But, like, because I didn't even know and articulate that fear before it was controlling me and I didn't know how. And I didn't know why and I didn't know what to do to make it make my behaviors go differently. Is yeah, that you didn't know like what the fuck it was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and and like I said, like that book was like the beginning of like a little shadow because of course I didn't like completely understand every like I understood I understood what I what I read, but there's you know there's a difference. There's like intellectual you know 
you intellectualize something, but that's not knowing something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, like um, in your head and then there's like your heart. Right, right. And your body and like your, you know, your I guess. Yeah, and then your gut and then it just becomes a part of your system. I, you know, you know, the process is just of learning. It's like, okay, you technically know. Like right now I'm learning how to use a camera, like shoot a, you know, on, on professional cameras. It's like, all right, technically I know, you know, like, which, oh, use a lens for this side. I use, uh, open up the the iris for, for this amount of light or do that. But it's not something that's like a part of me where I can ex- instinctively go, oh, yeah, this is how it goes without even thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I have kind of like, you know, so right now it's all kind of fuzzy and probably in a couple of years it will become second nature. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, that it was it was the beginning of uh, yeah the sailing journey. That's not even quite over, but uh, yeah. Oh, also yeah, also the thing how you were saying about what you say like that fear that was controlling you. Of course, like you can't if you can't name it, it's just kind of like this ominous thing. Like what the fuck are you supposed to do with that? You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. Kind of like last night, I was in my room and there was this weird noise, and I'm laying down. And I'm like, what is this? You know, it's kind of creepy. You know, it's late night. I'm like, what is this noise? And I could have just ignored the noise. I'm like, what to do? You know, it kept going. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. So I get up and I go, you know, I go around and then I discover like, oh, it's the heater. And then, then I could just like turn the knob and turn down the heater once I know what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little knob where the steam comes out. Yeah. Uh, so one of those like old school heaters. But anyways, you know, was, but otherwise, you know, if I didn't know what the sound was, then I don't know what to do with it, you know? Yeah. And you could even just kind of lay there being afraid and worried and go into like, could be this, could be that, might be this. When really right. it's something that's actually small and not that big of a deal. Right, right, or it's or it, it it it's droning in the background, where like I'm consciously not aware of it, but subconsciously the sound is just kind of going and irritating my system, you know? Where that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. So that's that's that is that. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that story. I think that that's a really cool choice and a really cool story. Thank you. Um, so Anella is one of my one of my very very dear friends, and I just wanted to know as I'm going around asking different folks, you know, what what is a book that changed their lives? I would just like to know what is a book that changed your life? The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Really? Yes. Now, how did it change your life? He, I, he started the thing called positive mental attitude, uh-huh. and my initials are PMA backwards, AMP, uh-huh. Angela Marie Porba, but at that time it was Palmer, uh-huh. and I wanted to adopt that, and that was about in 1962. Wow. And uh, one of the things that has stuck with me through the years, and I use this a lot when I'm talking with others, that Norman Vincent Peale taught me that... I believe I am always being divinely guided. Mm. 
I believe that I will always take the right turn in the road, mm -hmm. and I believe that God will make a way where there is no way. Mm -hmm. And I've applied it to my life and everything. So what have you seen change since you started applying it to your life? Well, I was kind of negative. Uh, I was raised in a religion that was very judgmental, and I was very negative and saw things. And I thought, what could I do to make things be okay? Like, how can I switch that? And so I started, I eliminated words from my vocabulary like I can't. I determined that I do not want to gossip because that's character assassination. And it, it opened a world of commerce like for me, my working life that I could apply these simple principles and pass it on to somebody else. I think that's just awesome. <laughs> I loved the book. It was hard to when you suggested it, my mind went rampant. Right. And I thought I have about like 10 books that have really impacted me. And then I have to think, in all honesty, it is the power of positive thinking that believing that in everything, apply it to our lives and it'll happen. Whether it's economic, physical, emotional, spiritual, it covers all those areas. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anella. Thank you for asking me. Keep smiling. And last but certainly not least, I have included a short conversation with longtime friend of the podcast, Nikki. So tell me about a book that's changed your life. Okay. Well, as you know, I have more than one and it's very difficult to only pick one. Um, so I'm going to pick the one that I'm currently reading and it is like rocking my world. Dang. It is, yeah, it is like, whoa. Like I, I already anticipate like a big shift for for me and the direction of my life actually mm -hmm. because of this book. Say more. Okay, you want to know what it's called? Yeah, I want to know everything. Okay, so it's called Spiritual Bypassing. Mm -hmm. When Spirituality Disconnects Us from What Really Matters. Mm -hmm. And the author is Robert Augustus Masters, Ph.D. Okay, got it. So, essentially what he is calling out in this book is this term called spiritual bypassing, which was coined in like 1984. Mm -hmm. And it's when we use spiritual techniques to basically gloss over our problems. So, wait. Spiritual techniques like what? Like um, affirmations, like, um, I'm trying to think. Pretty much we can use anything. It can be used for good or it can be used for, like, actually <laughs> not looking. Or evil. It can be exactly for good or evil. <laughs> Essentially it's a part of the force. Well, what um, I'm thinking as you're talking is it almost sounds like um, – like, you know, so like, let's say you're having a super, it's like for me, I can get uncomfortable when I'm having a big feeling. So suddenly yeah. I start to feel angry because maybe something happened at work or something happened with a, you know, family member or something. So now I'm feeling angry and then I'm like, it's okay. I am a successful, beautiful person. And I'm kind of, I'm using that affirmation to like stuff the feeling or ignore the feeling rather than acknowledging it and moving through it. Is that what you're talking about with like spiritual bypassing? Yeah, yeah. And and for instance, like, one of the, the, okay, first of all, that's a good example. And I think that 
in some ways, you know, we could say, say you're in a moment of like heated anger and it's not appropriate to express that anger because you're in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So if that affirmation works for you in the moment for helping you calm down, that's great. But if you just leave it at that and you never look at the anger, then yeah, you're just stuffing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like no, that a makes a lot of you sense. You use, but but you can't override the fact that you're that there's something underneath that. Yeah. When it it sounds like it's. It's also, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I have not read it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm still um, reading it. I'm not even done. <laughs> it sounds like it's also about um, it being okay that there's, like, negative stuff or sad feelings or conflict, and, and the spiritual bypassing can be can be brought on for all those reasons. Maybe people are afraid of conflict or, like yep. you're saying, they're in a situation where they feel like, I can't express that feeling, but if they don't ever get back to the feeling and move through it, then it could come out sideways or it could come out in a weird way where you're like, I'm being so spiritual, but I kind of hate you at the same time. Yeah. But really, it's just an anger feeling that they need to move through. Yes. And he actually talks about that, that actually there are no negative emotions. Emotions are, are you know, they're neutral. Like you can't assign that they're good or they're bad, they're positive or they're negative. They just might be uncomfortable. Yeah, and he said it's what we do with them that is positive or negative. So, like, say you're angry and it comes out as, like, hatred, and that hatred is is reflected in your voice and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's the negative, not the emotion. So it's what we're doing with the emotion. And so he's like, you know, we put all this emphasis on, expanding and being positive and, and that that's fine. But then we avoid um, anger, you know, being embarrassed, feeling shame, feeling all those things. We avoid them and kind of stuff them and call those negative emotions like we shouldn't be feeling them. And it's like, so, and he's like, it's, they're not, they're just emotion. So, and okay. he's like, and, and he even uses the example like, you know, Say someone murders your child. Oh. You are going to hate them. Yeah. You are going to feel angry and you actually might want to hurt them because of what they did. Like those are all really natural sort of normal Im- immediate responses. And so to suddenly be, like try and force yourself to forgive and force yourself to like be like, oh, this person did it because they had a horrible life. You know, like, that's just not realistic. So you have to move through the hatred in a healthy way, like so with the therapist, right? Like somewhere where you can express those thoughts and those feelings in a safe way where you're not harming anyone, but you actually get to move through them. That's good. So so he doesn't just talk about, you know, spiritual bypassing is not ideal. He also says, here are yeah. some other things you can do. So it's to like give time and space to the feelings that maybe you're trying to spiritually bypass, like you're recognizing yeah. like, oh, wow, I'm trying to like take a shortcut past these feelings that probably need some airtime. But yep. so find like a healthy space and a place to do it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe and that's a therapist or, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so he, de- he definitely, he's a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So he's definitely all for therapy. Um, and the biggest thing that has kind of come 
come for me is just realizing these little, it just feels like another layer and sort of a bridge between the Eastern texts that I read and other books that have really inspired me. And it feels like kind of a bridge to get there because there's all these like lofty ideas like we are all one and, you know, this this is heaven on earth and, you know, all of these like really beautiful concepts that I actually mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And then this feels like a bridge because you can't just be there. And he talks about how, you know, one, there's no such thing as spiritual salvation. So the moment that you attain, like, some kind of spiritual status doesn't mean that you're no longer going to be uncomfortable and you're no longer going to be angry or have pain. He's actually saying that, like, pain and limitations are sort of your your avenue to to freedom, like recognizing that, that you have to have those. Yeah. I don't really know if that's, you know, the most accurate, but. Well, um, I think it sounds awesome. Now, how, tell me more about how you see this playing out in your own life. Well, I definitely see that I, I'm being called out in the book for practices ah. that I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's like just another layer of work. Uh, for, for me personally, and I'm seeing the value in getting a really skilled therapist. And for myself, you know, walking that path and really diving in and, and kind of looking at my own stuff. You know, cause even though I grew up in like the suburbs of Canada with two parents who didn't abuse me or, you know, like I feel like I had a very, lovely childhood there's still weird programming there's still I have odd sort of (laughs) ways of perceiving things and and I definitely don't work through my anger very well you know so I feel like a a skilled therapist is is going to help me on that on on my path to understanding what the hell he's talking about yeah. <laughs> Does that I, make sense? No, I think it makes perfect sense. So, yeah, there's too many good things. There's too many. Like, I could probably talk your ear off about Well, okay. Here's what I want to know. Yeah. Here's what I want to know. Um, do you see much spiritual, and it's not very spiritual to call out other people, but I'm going <laughs> to ask you this anyway. Do you see yeah. much spiritual bypassing in the world of yoga teachers <laughs> and yoga people? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like rampant. It is rampant. Um, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's to no fault of, of anyone's. Like, I've, I've done it right along with them. No, know? everybody's but, doing the best they can. So I think yeah. that's fine. And we're all, but you know, branding, we're all doing the best they can. Like, this whole branding of, like, spiritual gangster and, um, you know, I don't trust the universe, which I have a shirt that says that. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then if you watch sort of people talk who are yogis, I, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. People don't want to feel pain, including yeah. yoga teachers. Yeah. And we fall into these traps just as easily. Like everyone mm-hmm. who I've, talk to who is a yoga teacher about this book they're like ooh 
you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> and, know, I have to say, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and I just, I have one friend that told me that, like, this book was recommended to her, like, a year ago, and she couldn't read it. And she wasn't ready to. Yeah. Because it's definitely, you have to be willing to be called out. And one of the biggest things that I see in this community is what this author terms as blind compassion. Mm -hmm. And it's like when it's basically you're not setting boundaries and people treat you terribly and you just avoid it. You just avoid confrontation and you say they're doing the best they can and um, you're just not setting a boundary, you know? And coming from a power, a place of strength, you're coming from a place of just like fear and non-confrontation. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Been there. Me been too. There. Um, yeah, I think when I think about like people who are in recovery, mm, yeah, they get to kind of go through this, huh? Well, what I think is what I think that I've found when I when I see people in in like the twelve step rooms is that. When they work through kind of all those 12 steps with a sponsor and, you know, they do an inventory of who they are for the good and the bad, you know, but they do, Mm -hmm. like, they do that work. Yeah. You see something happen for them where there's, like, a light that comes on, you know, or there's, like, a, there's, like, a certain level of, um, sort of spirituality that takes hold and there's an acceptance of all the feelings, not all Mm -hmm. the time, you know, but, like... I think that process helps a lot of people in recovery to deal with those things. So that's been kind of like, it's been amazing to me to see the evidence in other people of like, maybe that inner work, whether you do Mm -hmm. it through steps or through therapy or through even mantras, you know, and like extensive journaling, like whatever it is, the way that a person does that work, it's still like, you can't shortcut past the work. And on the other side of the work, is, um, you know, like a whole lot of growth and understanding, but not perfection. Like, we never get to be perfect. Yeah. And I love that you said that because he literally says, like, there's no such thing as a shortcut. And people are, you know, marketing, like, well, why would I go through a lifetime of therapy when I could just go to this weekend retreat? <laughs> you know, like, like, people are selling it to us, like, spiritual salvation, like, come. I have all the answers and you don't have to spend the rest of your life working on this. You can just come here, you know? So yeah, there's no shortcuts to the work. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story about this book. I can't wait to hear <laughs> more about how it changes your life. Oh, you'll be here. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be done, but yeah. <laughs> Please visit quirkandcircumstance.com for show notes and for titles of all the books listed here. And for my own top five life-changing books, articles, list, please go to Instagram and follow quirkandcircumstance.com and check in the post that's about this episode for my list. Thanks again. Have a good one. Intro and outro music for this podcast is by the Tartu Pop and Rock Institute.